Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 83. I am still coming to you from Jakarta, Indonesia, where it is a balmy 95 degrees today or 34 degrees Celsius. I went down to Kamang to record at the Habibi Center with my guest today. And my guest is Dewi Ribianti Khalifa. She's the Indonesian country director for the Asian Muslim Action Network. Now, what Ruby does and what Aman does is they work towards a nonviolent, inclusive, progressive interpretation of Islam here in Indonesia and abroad. They are working to empower women to reach positions of influence in neighborhoods, in communities, and in Indonesia at large. She's really fascinating. Uh, her work is really admirable. She's brave. She's fearless. She was listed as one of the 100 women who are influencing the world by the BBC. And I'm really, really appreciative that she gave her time today to be on the TV TV podcast. I'm going to keep the intro a little bit short today because uh, it's a really good long conversation today. Uh, I will put this in here. If you are able to support the podcast financially, you can do so on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. If you are not and you want to support in another way, you can leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes or the podcast application that you most often listen to. All of the information for Aman and for Ruby, how you can learn more, how you can get involved, you can find all that stuff in the show notes for this episode. Just follow the links that are there. All right, enjoy this one, Voyagers. First of all, I, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I know you're busy. You're doing really important work. Uh, I've seen that your work has taken you as far as Korea, as far as uh, D.C. and the States, and you've been mentioned by people much larger than me. I'm a small fish in a big pond. So Really? Uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen you on the BBC. Um, so uh, I'm appreciative of, of you giving your time to me today. Maybe sort of broadly what we can mm -hmm. start with is, um, in a broad sense, what are you doing with the Asian Muslim Action Network and mm -hmm. uh, specifically the, the work that you're involved in? Yeah. So this is a pretty much unique uh, network for me. Uh, when I joined in 2005, I found like a home. Mm. Uh, they call it as a network among uh, Mus uh, Muslim progressive in Asia. And one of the motivation founded this network was about bringing the voices of Muslim in opening space 
for having dialogue with the non-Muslim as well as uh, among Muslims themselves. Because the way we implement Islam in different countries are very much influenced with the local culture. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I think the interpretation of uh, Islam as a religion, when it reflects to daily life, is very much attached with the local culture. So this network is trying to, you know, embrace everyone who believe on peace building and believe on the harmony. Uh, uh, so then they, we can help each other in how actually strengthening uh, our community uh, in confronting uh, the external uh, factors that lead to, you know, violence, uh, conflict. Yeah, it's really interesting to me, and I'll, I'll say, I guess, to, to listeners mm -hmm. that, like, just assume the best with my questioning. I might ask some things out of just uh, ignorance, um, and that's hopefully mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get a bit of an education from you. But uh, as I understand it, the interpretation mm -hmm. of religious texts, so the interpretation of the Quran, mm -hmm. is something that greatly matters because a specific section of text can be interpreted by a political leader in one country mm. quite differently than the political leader or a group in another country. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. I think the way is not... Um, I think is there are so much uh, misunderstanding about uh, interpretation of the religious text. The religious text, when it comes as a text uh, already right now, so how many century, uh, yeah. uh, you know, already. And then that's, of course, need to be translated into more, you know, uh, cultural context as well as the current context. Then you will uh, see that the text saying something. But if, if you read as a text, it's already dead, mm. right? That how we make it more relevant in our life is, the work of interpretation then come into relevant to to make it uh, a voicing and uh, with the, our context right now. So uh, in in Amman, uh, we are very much concerned on how actually we can bringing back the progressive thinking of uh, some of our um, uh, the classical thinkers as well as the current thinkers on Islam to give enlightenment and to give much more, uh, um, how do you call it, sense of um, how to make tech is uh, uh, much more relevant with our current context. Mm. Meaning that it is not in the context of Islam, it is not uh, everyone uh, can, uh, how do you call it, uh, translate or interpret the text, but somebody who has uh, a knowledge on the Islamic studies and good in, in Arabic language, and has a very, you know, uh, open-minded um, um, uh, uh, perspective, uh, as well as having a more uh, comprehensive knowledge in looking at our society uh, today, that, that is the relevant and, and suitable or eligible to uh, interpret the mm. religious text. Do I, uh, uh, am I eligible to do that? If I have those kind of uh, uh, component that actually I, I, I'm also eligible. But again, it is, it is not as, as easy like that, but we really need to ensure that somebody who actually interpret the religious tag 
is really having this kind of uh, qualification. So therefore, why we need to refer to the uh, to the you know classical uh, uh, writers or, or classical um, how do you call it thinkers? Hmm. Because in the history of Islam, that actually we allow to have a debate on the religious text. Hmm. We it is open in in among uh, um, uh, Muslim thinkers to debate because. Uh, you know, people, people, people just this time. People just, you know, uh, have an opportunity to interpret the original meaning. This actually uh, had to come to you know the prophet uh, era, which is we don't actually follow with that. So what the best thing to do is we actually looking back what actually our previous uh, you know a scholar a thing about it and contexting with what currently is doing. For example, we're talking about uh, women leadership. You know, many people quoted, uh, for example, first um, uh, Anissa 34 saying that the leader should be men. But if you're looking at, if you have a knowledge on the language, the Arabic language, you will see that the, the choice of word there is not actually referred to biological men. Mm. It's characteristics on how the leader should protect, how the leader should, uh, you know, uh, 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 provide uh, a space to guide and, and how the leader should should do you know should, should be a, a a good model on on leading you know others uh, with that actually there are so many interpretation of course as a feminist uh, as the progressive uh, muslim the asian muslim action network believe that the women also has the right uh, to be a leader uh, in in many spaces uh, uh, there is no restriction uh, uh, on that so facts need to be you know, uh, uh, translated into uh, 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 current uh, contact and the need of the uh, society, uh, of course. But some people keeping and loving to to use tech is just like that. But but it will be dangerous because our society is actually running towards you know uh, uh, you know certain uh, direction, and we are changing all the time. And then if you treating tax as a death, you know, a thing, then I think our society will mm. not uh, improve uh, in their life. Or perhaps we will not actually develop at all if we only rely on the tax with uh, 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 um, understanding that, that uh, literally, you know, using tax. There's a lot to, to, to unpack <laughs> from that. No, 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 it's brilliant. Yeah, that's quite complex. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, in, in addition to uh, an inclusive interpretation and an empowerment mm -hmm. of women, mm -hmm. I know that recently um, the attacks that happened in Surabaya, mm -hmm. I read after that that mm -hmm. there's an increasing trend of um, someone who's radicalized not just being sort of like the, the lone... Um, young man who mm -hmm. sort of prepped mm -hmm. and primed, but mm -hmm. increasingly more women and families are getting involved in radicalization. Yeah. Do you, you think that's accurate? And why Why do you think that's so? Yeah, I think there are three important uh, um, factors why uh, we are facing right now many women involved in the extremism. Number one is 
the shifting paradigm among the terrorists themselves, the ideology that terrorists believe on jihad or hijrah, for example, that actually shifting a lot. Mm. Uh, it is if we, if we talk about terrorism, is very gender uh, uh, in there, where men and masculinity are very much attached on yeah. the you know extremism. And we in Indonesian context, for example, we understand that jihad used to be the arena where men actually take in charge. And for women, type of women jihad is actually in the family. Mm. They believe on that. It's in the family, you take care of your, your, your children, you support your husband to do jihad, and you take care of the followers of the organization to actually mobilize funds in supporting uh, uh, jihad. But there are so many changings after ISIS defeated in some uh, part of the, the, the world, for example, Iraq and, and Syria, that actually there's scarcity of the uh, male, you know, doing jihad. Mm. The other way around also, ISIS now starting to call jihad to all the Muslim uh, n- n- not necessarily going to Syria, but they can do actually jihad in their own countries. So the shifting paradigm is one. The ideology of jihad is no more for men. Even mm. ISIS actually declare uh, clearly in 2015, I think, that that uh, women should also take arm because it is not only obligatory uh, of men doing jihad, but it is also for women, for everybody, including uh, uh, women and and also uh, uh, um, how do you call it, children? Mm. Because you see, in the context of Surabaya, there are some children also taking, you know, uh, yeah. suicide uh, a bomber. So one is the shifting ideology, and and the space. So before you will see that. When you talk about terrorism and something that illegal, something, I mean, illegal is like hidden, yeah? Between husband and wife, it is very common that wife actually don't know much mm. about what ha- what husband doing and even the children, of course, because it's really just a secret between her husband and the cell system organization that they are joining. But currently, you will see that the process of radicalization is happening inside the family. Hmm. We, the prof, Professor Ruhaini, men, uh, uh, using the the uh, the very nice um, uh, metaphor, uh, sifting from backyard to dining room, meaning uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Backyard means something in the back of the, your house that actually not people uh, can see what's going on and even uh, a wife also don't have idea about a husband doing is really an at backyard but now it's just come into our dining room it is discussed in the family it is open the the for the context of surabaya for example it's it's quite scary to see that the children don't go to school Instead of taking, they call it um, uh, homeschooling, mm-hmm. but the fact it's not really homeschooling. What the government expecting, of course, in Indonesia, we open for homeschooling as a choice, but it is a process of actually the parents uh, doing radicalization, you know, among the children. 
that's for you see that three families involved in the Surabaya bombing is really shocking mm. us as the you know as a, a practitioner working with preventing violent extremism but at the same time also shocking the government that I come to the second uh, 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 factor why women involved number two is because we don't actually uh, have a strong gender mainstreaming mm. in the policy and program when it addressed to combating terrorism or we talk about uh, uh, countering and preventing uh, uh, violent extremism. Why? Because uh, the the uh, the security approach is still very much you know big. I think it's not only in the context of Indonesia. Yeah. You see other countries. If you open the 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 figure of budget of defense, for example, in each country, you will see like billion US dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, every year that is a huge money. Meaning that our approach to security is is still using a gun. Is the using forces that we people believe on on that. But to counter violent extremism, we need. It's this something that we cannot just rely on the security forces, but we need to go much more in the in the more uh, comprehensive way to looking at soft approach by you know uh, um, uh, uh, enhancing the all the efforts relating with uh, uh, preventing uh, uh, violent extremism and the women taking important role in this in this context. I think that's a really important point. Because a lot of the, uh, we'll call it security measures, mm-hmm. I guess. So mm-hmm. something like drone warfare has a lot of collateral damage. It is, it is. And that then creates a perpetual cycle. Because if it you're is. someone who's not radicalized and people who are your family, your friends mm-hmm. are killed in an attack mm-hmm. as collateral, mm-hmm. it's a good way to get you radicalized. It is. Yeah. It is. It is actually create revenge, mm. you know, among the family. I think... Our, our, my my role as one of the facilitator in training among wives of uh, convicted uh, terrorists who are now in jail, we I found from the testimony of uh, wives that I train, there are tendency for uh, you know family taking revenge uh, because of the security forces mm-hmm. you know the security approaches so much in this case. And then that's also in effect to the, the children, you know. If the children receiving the story of, you know, uh, story of injustice, how actually the uh, the father being treated by uh, the police, for example, during arresting uh, process, uh, mm. so then it will create memory because the children doesn't have idea on what actually the father doing. Right. And to tell the truth about what happening with the fathers, that is required, you know, strong, uh, uh, a courageous, and also uh, a strong position for mothers, for example. And it is also not easy because the mothers believe that what the husband done that's actually something correct. Because mm-hmm. if they believe on the ideology of jihad, they consider that Indonesia is not 
proper country. Uh, so they are why they are f- uh, taking a gun to fight for Indonesian government because they think that Indonesia is not Islamic uh, country. Yeah. Uh, right. So then that's the the uh, the reason uh, why they need to um, uh, you know to take uh, you know this kind of uh, uh, reaction. Uh, I think there's also um, again th- mm-hmm. this is me just through my my own limited education. Um, I think there's a kinship too globally mm-hmm. to where I, I know I've, I've heard a lot here in Indonesia that people are identifying kind of with the plight of the Rohingya in Myanmar mm-hmm. um, yeah. or with Palestinians mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. Palestinian and mm-hmm. in Israel conflict, mm-hmm. Israeli conflict. Um, it's, it's interesting because I think that like uh, perhaps without sort of, or perhaps maybe a key component to sort of shifting mindsets would be some sort of an international coalition? Yeah. This, uh, uh, the, the other reason uh, some people, uh, um, this group, I mean, people joining with uh, terrorism is also part of the global solidarity. Mm-hmm. They, uh, this is one of, in, in Indonesia context, uh, what happening in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and um, uh, some part of the world where they thought that Muslim uh, discriminated or even attacked, torture, you know, kill uh, during the war, that actually create you know a, a sense of uh, um, ownership on how actually we need to fight back, mm-hmm. right? Because we need to to help the and do defense uh, for justice for our our brothers and sisters, you know, uh, overseas that been uh, treated badly by the West, for example. Mm-hmm. So that kind of Propaganda are very much strong. Uh, when you see that it's through the movie, through the you know the narrative that they are putting this, so because this can actually help to create support and and to create a big mobilization in supporting uh, 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 injustice uh, a situation that faced by by Muslim. Yeah. In one side, it is good. But the other side, unfortunately, it the 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 motivation is good for solidarity, but the manifestation uh, into the real action that is problematic because because it has so much they don't concern about the, the 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 situation where Indonesia is located, for example, they don't consider how you know the violent action can evict. You know, to other uh, peoples, women and childrens, that who who are uh, who who doesn't have any link, anything to do with you know the, the revenge that they actually taking up. So just ordinary people like me, for example. But they thought that it is need to do uh, to do the solidarity because uh, uh, we are as a Muslim. So I think we are still facing this propaganda. Mm. But global solidarity. Can also be interpreted on can be manifested into positive way. For example, what happened with the Rohingya? Yeah, I think we have a good example where people of Aceh, for example, receiving Rohingya. That actually purely part of their solidarity and part of the they you know they the empathy you know uh, toward uh, you know 
maybe not only because Rohingya Muslim, yeah, Muslim, but I think the people on both itself that actually being suffering, and there are many uh, of them sick, uh, 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 for example, at that time, the very, you know, um, miserable situation, uh, so that people of Aceh that actually willing to receive. Then actually influence the government that need to also to do something. Though Indonesia, mm-hmm. we are not a transition, uh, transitional uh, uh, country uh, to Australia, but again Indonesia need to do something as part of the you know uh, solidarity. So the positive way is good, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if it, it come into <laughs> more like a violent you know way, that's. Very much uh, um, problematic, and I think in this in this uh, situation, our organization are very much concerned on you know uh, uh, issue of the the violence themselves because we facing conflict every day. Yes, yeah. but if it is uh, there no violence uh, element. Conflict can be managed uh, easily because day to day actually we are also dealing with conflict. But it comes to violence and using arm, using religion to mobilize you know one another and propag- propagated with you know hatred, message and and those things. So that has become much more dangerous. It's interesting because. Uh, you know, I'm from New York, so mm. I was in uh, I was in the 10th grade oh. in social studies class when 9/11 happened. Oh yeah, wow, yeah, that's. And, and after that, you know, the language mm-hmm. being used in the United States was that countries where terrorism was coming from was the axis of evil. Yeah, that's very sad, actually. Mm. I think it's very very easy to label somebody that has that particular mm-hmm. ideology mm-hmm. as evil, and it's. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that. Perhaps they're deserving of empathy, mm. but I think that there's a way you can look at it and see how logically a person can get there. Mm. Um, I had seen uh, a short documentary on the 2009 bombing, Mm-mm. and this was a kid whose family had left him here in Jakarta. Really had no skills. He was from a rural area. Mm-hmm. Didn't have much of an education. Was working for a, a very low wage, mm-hmm. and was you know. Uh, vulnerable to be primed with you know a little bit of brainwashing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that if you if you follow it logically in that sense it you it start to understand it a little mm-hmm, bit more mm-hmm. with the work that you do do you target areas um perhaps like the urban poor mm-hmm. or rural areas that uh, don't have as much development and access to skills-based education mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, basically the Asian Muslim Action Network in in the context of Indonesia, uh, for example, we working much more in uh, you know we call it vulnerable area. Mm. There's a, uh, several categories. Uh, number one, we work with the community affected by conflict, the armed conflict before in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. We ex- we we don't have national conflict. But we actually experience uh, at a subnational uh, uh, level. Mm-hmm. For example, what happened in in Aceh? Yeah, yeah. everybody know thirty two years. Yeah, I think more than thirty two years conflict in Aceh, 
and then in Central Sulawesi and Maluku, and currently in, in still uh, some some time fighting in 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 Papua, we are uh, experiencing this. So therefore, the Asian Muslim Action Network are interested to really uh, working with the community affected by uh, conflict. The other that we also working with a community that uh, vulnerable to extremism. Mm. And uh, and 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 I think the way we work in this in this context, we believe that through the role of women, uh, our work, our contribution to uh, prevent a conflict or uh, increase uh, the uh, or uh, strengthen the the community resilience uh, will be different mm. uh, because. In our experience in the last 11 years in Indonesia, uh, for example, we 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 working now with the 30 uh, um, villages uh, at the community uh, level through the Women's School for Peace as the the as the incubator uh, a, a, a process for producing the. A strong women leadership that they can take up uh, responsibility to transform the family, the neighborhood, as well as their community. By working with the women, we feel that we are able to identify other marginalized groups mm. in the community that need to be included in the work that we are doing. Because the women themselves is actually representing a marginalized group, so therefore your perspective when you look at women, then you will thinking that oh okay maybe there are other marginalized groups that need to be included in the community. The other we've also found uh, in the eleven years our our program running, we feel that the com the 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 family changings mm. because when mother take up this uh, a serious you know, work and they are very active in responding uh, the situation in community, then the children started to think that, ah, what happened with my mom right now? My mom is very active. I think I am interested too to join with this kind of movement. And and because the mother is actually central of family, right? The mother much more understand what happened with the family. I think in our patriarchal uh, uh, society, mothers playing a, a lot of uh, rules inside the family, including actually um, how to make husband uh, also uh, um, uh, supported in, in in the family. So we learn from from the program that. The husband changings in terms of their understanding on why women need to be, you know, a center in development, for example, or in peace building. But so, so therefore, uh, to conclude, when when you work with with women, you actually your hidden agenda is actually to transform men and also the children inside the family. So, so then. If you have strong family in the community, that is become the capital for community resilience in the community. Mm. Because actually what we need to strengthen is the family's role, right? Because actually if family have a seat of peace and they're living peaceful, that, that can reflect to the way they actually interact with, with the, the neighbors. Right. So that, that 
our program need to see the changes happening uh, because there is no more rejection in the in the community. For example, if something happened, I give you example. One day, there, there, there was a case of unwanted pregnancy happened in Jakarta, where we are working in that community. What makes me very confident to see is the, the, way the, the way the women group respond before and after joining our program was different. Mm. Before, they like to do gossiping. Okay, they, they, they're just doing like other ordinary people, you know, not really helping out, but instead of, you know, talking about the case... And and specific that case, I was amazed actually to see how the women, uh, uh, you know, play different roles in the community to help the victim and the family, and then until uh, uh, influencing, you know, the discourse surrounding the the community, from blaming victim to, uh, you know, uh, empathy and and solidarity in helping mm. the girl. Wow. Because the girl need to be, you know, to be protected, right. and uh, whatever that that people uh, think, it was a mistake. But I think the important how to save the girl, and how to make the society surrounding can help be helpful, right? Because this is part of the community. That's message that actually we would like to see in all over Indonesia that. There's no more hatred, no more, you know, attacking. There's no more, but you need to be very helpful for, for you know, for your neighborhood. Mm. Because if you have strong neighborhood, then you will see that you will be resilient toward external, you know, power that perhaps can destroy, you know, your neighborhood. So that you, if you see the protection itself is social protection from the people. It's not from security forces. I have a, a few uh, questions that kind of come out of that. Sure. In the States, uh, we say that there's a separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a paraphrasing of the First Amendment, which essentially says that the government can't set up an official religion and you cannot be prevented from practicing the religion that you want. Mm -hmm. People also use that to say that religion can shouldn't or can't influence mm -hmm. the decision of policymakers. Mm -hmm. Indeed. In reality, mm -hmm. and, and I'm speaking in the context of the states, but I know that there's some parallels here. In reality, decisions are made at times in dealing with abortion, um, gay rights, access to birth control. Decisions are often made with a religious mindset. Um, by political affiliation or even regionally in the United mm -hmm. States. So like New York is a very progressive and liberal place, mm -hmm. whereas in the south of the United States, it can be much more conservative. Yeah. How much does religion uh, influence politics and society in Indonesia? Very much. Uh. In the context of Asia, it is almost impossible to separate exactly, mm. making separation between uh, uh, religion and, and state. In the context of Indonesia, though Indonesia is not Islamic state, yeah, not many people know that Indonesia is not Islamic state. Right, not officially, right? It yeah. is very secular. They call it Pancasila state, mm -hmm. of course, because we have five principles, you know, uh, uh, for we call it Pancasila. That is the that is how our founding fathers uh, would like to 
unite you know diversities in Indonesia from from Aceh to to Papua and and come up with that kind of principle. So if you see the first principle on belief on belief in God in God, that actually have uh, though there is no specific you know a uh, 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 specific term that actually associate with particularly our um, religion, mm. but believe in God uh, uh, itself that in, w- was actually inspired by by religion, right? Uh, religion can be uh, Islam, right. uh, Christianity, or and and other. So, in almost all decision, if if you see the if you see the other example, if you see the marriage law in Indonesia is very much actually guided uh, by uh, uh, Islamic teaching. Of course, there is. If you see the the law, there is no single specific term that actually take from the Islamic term. But uh, uh, I mean Arabic. Uh, but they're using more general term. But actually, the idea is coming from, you know, the teaching uh, uh, of Islam that. And of course, combined with the uh, gender construction in uh, patriarchal uh, society, that you will see the division of labor between uh, husband and wife, for example, that written in 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 marriage law. That sometimes problematic because people uh, sometimes uh, uh, interpret in, in in very you know uh, uh, strict it. Uh, uh, while we see gender rule is very much. Fluid and very much changeable, you know, all the time. And 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 women and and a husband and 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 wife, for example, cannot be in only one box. Uh, uh, of course, in in our life, so religion is very much influenced in this country. But I am very proud as Indonesian. Mm-hmm. Our founding fathers, and even until now, we don't ever think to make Indonesia as Islamic state. That I think the big thing, and, and this is why to make us different with Malaysia mm. or different with other Islamic, you know, country, because Indonesia have a Muslim biggest Muslim population right. in the world, right? And then the state is remain secular. Secular meaning that okay, the term secular sometimes also problematic. Secular meaning that we not actually real, putting religion, uh, Islam, for example, as official. Religion right. for Indonesia that actually can, you know, can uh, determine everything. Right. But Indonesia built based on you know the diversities that our founding fathers thought that Pancasila can be you know uh, inspiration to always rem- uh, uh, reminding uh, and giving guidance for the government to not you know trap into uh, a fashion on on building Islamic state like. Malaysia. I am very proud of that mm-hmm. as as Indonesian uh, uh, that I can tell to my friend why we are growing like this, why democratization in Indonesia growing, why the role of women are very much you know uh, visible uh, in Indonesia. You can see in in so many uh, spaces uh, 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 in Indonesia, you see the women taking very active role and including. Why Indonesia now become one of the best country uh, successful in tackling uh, violent extremism? Those because 
we have a strong foundation uh, of the state is Pancasila, and we are not Islamic state. I can say that this is really much um, gift for me as a woman living mm. here. Perhaps I may I may not be able to take my role as far like this if I'm living in Pakistan, for example, or I'm living in somewhere that actually uh, very much using the Islamic uh, uh, um, uh, uh, guidance. Though Islamic teaching is actually liberating the human being, but human uh, actually make it more, you know, stricted. And unfortunately, women body is always been targeted. When it come into, you talk the original of 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 religion, for example, is always thinking about how to strict it women, you know, uh, outside and how to make the uh, the women, uh, um, uh, uh, how do you call it, a, a code of dress of code. Yeah. Right? Dress code, yeah. Dress code, uh, specifically without asking whether women like or not. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, a particular thing that I, in our organization and my personal, you know, stand position, I don't agree with the implementation of Sharia law. Mm-hmm. Uh, though we have in Aceh, for example. Because right. the people interpret Sharia in the, in the mind of human being. But the original Sharia from 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 Allah from God, this is much more bigger, right? Because Sharia have to be you know uh, beneficial for everybody, mm. regardless religion, gender, or whatever. But when it comes to human being, they have very limited knowledge on understanding Sharia Islam, and therefore what happened? Give example in Aceh. You know, Sharia is has to do with the women, you know, dress, and Sharia has to do with those things, those things, but not really addressing the real issue on the corruption, for example, on the poverty, for example, on the injustice that actually experienced by the women, and particularly on violence against women. Where are our Sharia? So this is very much in the in the interpretation of. Uh, um, human being and the human being, unfortunately, a man, mm-hmm. uh, translated Sharia into very bias. So it's interesting. You talked about um, sort of the control of um, like the female body, mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that makes um, you know gendered violence or or even rape such a tragic thing because if you have if you have nothing else in this world, if you own nothing, mm-hmm. you have your body. Like that, that is the thing that you come into the world with. That, that's, that's the thing that you really own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, I'm in a weird position when I do some of these podcasts because, again, like mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a white American male. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, my religion is sort of questioning. Mm-hmm. I, I don't not believe, but I don't quite know what to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I don't know really my place in commenting on things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wouldn't never want to really offend anyone because I, I love the country of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, everyone I meet is so proud to be Indonesian and that's a really beautiful thing to see. But still, it's... I'll say something like, and I'll give a specific example. Like uh, I recently learned about... Um, virginity testing for mm. women who want to be <laughs> in the armed forces. Yeah, that's a very... And <laughs> my yeah, my my gut reaction is to be like that. That's just wrong, and it, and it's something I think would create great outcry, <laughs> you know, in New York. Um, 
we also reacted in yeah. a serious way. I mean, you know, some group of feminists questioning for many, many years with uh, these practices. I mean, there is no written law uh, about this, but the practice itself has been, uh, you know, going on for many years. Uh, though some of the female from the security sector uh, started actually to question and and to have a you know series of discussion inside the security sectors uh, regarding the uh, virginity uh, uh, test, it is in the you know, of course we 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 respect the you know the argumentation uh, um, uh, used by the security sector saying that. We they want to have, you know, the women, the the women who has a good behavior, or I don't know what is the relation between virgin and and a good behavior. <laughs> there's there's no relation right. uh, with that. But um, um, I think the argumentation very much conventional in looking at if uh, the women recruited in security sector for example uh, have the you know like like dealing with a prostitution mm-hmm. for example they may not affect to the institution uh, that that kind of argumentation that uh, you know came out from from the discussion but but people but there is a serious discussion. I think recently I updated to one of general female general in the police retirement already, but but she's still helping out how actually to put this uh, virginity issue into conversation, serious conversation, under a framework of security sector reform, specifically on gender mainstreaming. You know, in the security uh, sector reform, one is in Indonesian context. We need to really handle seriously on the issue of virginity test, because I think not only women. I think the 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 good behavior, you know, cannot be justified from the you know idea whether you virgin or not virgin, right? Uh, there's something else need to do uh, 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 with that. But we are still uh, working on 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 that. I have no idea whether other country also dealing with this kind of. You know uh, the issue that's that's a bit. Uh, it's not. It's, it's really affects seriously actually for, to the women from the security sector mm-hmm. because you can imagine that the test is it's not proper. I think uh, 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 when you do uh, a virginity test for the women and 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 looking at the the type of the uh, um, uh, the how do you call this the um, the genital organ of women and men are very different, right? Right. Right. And then, how do you see the virgin or not? For, for a man too. For like, men, like. Uh, but for women, is very obvious. It has to do with the existence of hymen, right? right? Whether your hymen is still there or not. Uh, but, but which can the, be broken through other. Can be broken right. when you, you know riding bicycle right. or you you know fell down somewhere or accident or, or whatever. So that is very much the, uh, in the minimum. I mean, the argumentation is is very uh, mm-hmm. weak. But uh, we. But I think in Indonesian context, to the best of my knowledge, doing gender mainstreaming in many you know aspect in Indonesia. The difficult thing to do is in inside security sector. Mm. Is the most difficult thing. It's very difficult 
Though we we actually witnessing in the police, for example, police agency, uh, there are so many changings already. Uh, for example, the we we are quite successful in uh, uh, influencing the the police uh, having the special desks for women to actually helping reporting relating with uh, 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 rape case mm. or violence against women uh, or children because the man reporter, the, the man actually uh, doesn't have much uh, empathy when they do, uh, you know, uh, documenting the story. So there are specific deaths and also there are referral system that established by the government uh, in in collaboration with civil society to help the violence against women uh, as uh, one of the big concern of the country to work together, I mean, uh, across the agency in the uh, government, uh, including the police. And so the police is much more progress in terms of their reform comparing the military or army. Uh, but we are still uh, need to do much more mm. uh, uh, in terms of, yeah, one is how removing the virginity test and maybe the others also uh, providing more space for women, uh, uh, leadership growing in the uh, police as well as, you know, in yeah. the military. Uh, <laughs> because I think still number is very, very small. Yeah, I think in, in politics too. I mean, you see like uh, Susie's popularity. I mean, she she breaks a lot of like the conventional notions of what it is to be somebody that work that works in politics. You know, uh, she's very outspoken. She's sort of uh, very unforgiving when it comes to protecting Indonesia. Like you uh -huh. know, with. Um, uh, Fishing vessels from other nations that yes, are in Indonesian yeah. waters. It's yeah, we are quite proud. Of yeah, current situation. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's one of the good contribution that we can see. The improvement in Indonesia is is about illegal. How to tackle illegal fishing? Yeah, <laughs> surrounding Indonesian, uh, you know, sea area. We mentioned before we started recording that um, social media is quite popular here in Indonesia. Very much. <laughs> I think everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, and you see right now globally, uh -huh. and I think it's because of access to information, access to, like me, like anybody can put out information on their yeah, social media account yeah, or make right, a podcast. Right. So people around the world are starting to speak up. Mm. And you see globally a push for uh, women's empowerment, for changing things, mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. uh, women's access into politics, mm -hmm. um, the public sphere and things like that. Are you utilizing um, social media or maybe sort of like a global network where uh, women in Saudi Arabia and women in New York uh, are engaged in dialogue with women here in Indonesia and, and uh, kind of uh, creating that kinship? Yeah. I, yeah, I think social media is like um, create a positive and negative, mm. you know, you know <laughs> effect uh, to our uh, life. I can tell you one the very why one of the reason why shifting the you know the the way terrorists you know uh, operating uh, using social media that actually break the the you know, the, the nature of organization. Mm. If you see terrorists used to have like cell system 
where actually even you recruited, nobody know, right? You recruited and you've been brainwashed and then and then you've been like radicalized for so long and after two years, so you 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 consider as ready to take an an, an holy uh, uh, job, for example, to do bombing. Mm. So, but social media is is shorten all the steps. I and see. then and then now of course shifting with head to head right you 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 don't need to release really you don't need to engage in the organization even you just meet somebody in social media and then you right away can get radicalized because they have very good um, very good strategy how they can use it including the way they actually influencing uh, women hmm. Uh, if you see IPEC, for example, um, uh, in Indonesia, released a report relating with how our migrant workers, women migrant workers in Hong Kong, being radicalized through social oh, wow. media and also being used by ISIS to mobilize funds, to, you know, to mobilize funds, including ISIS using the uh, strategy of, you know, married them, married Uh, the uh, uh, women migrant workers in uh, Hong Kong uh, in order to be able to use these women to mobilize resources. Wow. So how they do it? Through social media mm. is the best uh, means right now actually uh, for you know uh, spreading hatred, propaganda and of course recruitment uh, uh, going on. And, and and I think social media also been successful in the bad way to actually you know yeah, spread you know uh, the hatred the 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 false information because you don't need to you don't need to you know whatever you write right whatever you write there is no seems like no policy that actually monitor you whatever come up from your mind and then right. you post it. <laughs> In social media, and suddenly become wow, boost. Everybody they talking about it, and then, uh, uh, and then you know, you know, this engages so many uh, people. Though we also concern on how actually government can govern these things, and and uh, using the uh, correct policy on how actually to tackle hawks and and some other you know uh, hatred uh, uh, crime in in uh, social media. I think U.S. have a good good history that other country may also see uh, how the U.S. Uh, tackle the hatred in the country. But I'm currently doubting whether the law is still efficient to respond to the current situation where sometime the national leader also, you know, propagated with, you know, provoke with some of this uh, statement that another question yeah. that we also uh, learn from you know uh, what happened in the US but uh, social media in the positive way of course is very much uh, helpful i think i've been recognized in the global also because of social media yeah. i think why bbc tracking me <laughs> and found me as part of the 100 BBC uh, women because of the social media. I think working very nice in, you know, um, uh, documenting me 
an activity and 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 see how I connect with with the global. Therefore, in our organization, we love to use social media. Mm-hmm. We cannot avoid because I think we cannot we cannot avoid uh, you know the 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 technology uh, and technology themselves uh, need to be used by by a good brain and good manner in how actually we can use for our work right we can so so the technology itself is just natural but the human being using it yeah. that gives a values right uh-huh. because we cannot avoid technology to be honest people across indonesia right now in our network we are many very much using the uh, social media i think twitter facebook are very very much and instagram mm. for the young people are uh, very powerful to to engage yeah for example the work on the women peace and security that one of the our advocacy at the national and regional level i think i'm using a lot social media to help me reaching out yeah and also monitor what happened in other other uh, other uh, provinces because the the women like me uh, you can find too in aceh for example and west sumatra or in 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 north sumatra or even kalimantan sulawesi and some other islands that they are very active in doing advocacy to a provincial level how can i know all my friends doing the mandate as the network mm. if i don't engage with social media i think in the in my life i cannot say goodbye with the social media currently because so far i think i can handle in my hand using in the positive way and very much helping this organization a lot in yeah. shaping the discourse you know when we under, when when we got a, our our role as the national organization here is dealing with the government right and then in the in the government level if there is something new development i need to 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 share to people and and the best way to do is through social media so i posted all the the, the development to my uh, facebook wall because i i think i love to share with the people i make i i need to make people change their mind mm. i need to make people understand that indonesia has changed a lot we have a good government right now and we need to deal with them and if i don't communicate with the people through social media i think i do injustice wow. for the people yeah because i know the ex- i know the, the you know I, i i i'm privileged to get information from inside the government right mm-hmm. i have a good friend inside the government but if i don't share with others i do injustice for my people i do injustice for my friends so i i using social media in order to open all information that i got because mm-hmm. what changes in at the national level may affect or inspire some changes at the provincial level wow so the very powerful social media i think in indonesia context even the president is on social media yeah. why <laughs> why the president have to deal with twitter of course if not maybe not himself but he has staff to do that because he needs to communicate to the people that the the government doing so many you know a development outside java island and to communicate 
the president need like YouTube, for example, to capture that the development in the border area. So if you see on YouTube, for uh, you can find a lot of you know uh, stuffs that actually done by the 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 president team in order to let people here in Jakarta know that there are so many development outside Jakarta. So. Our our brain uh, or our mind is not just located in Jakarta, but we as Indonesian we need to right. learn what happened in Indonesia. Because if we go abroad, people will asking you, right? How is Indonesia? What can you tell? Well, I if think if you are not exposed, you know, in your own country, most Westerners <laughs> would be like, "Oh, I know about Bali." <laughs> oh, I know about Bali. Even people don't know that Bali is part of Indonesia, right? right? right. So at least. You have to tell to the world this is our mission mm. that there are some progress in Indonesia that actually in, in, in impacting to the work of civil society. I can tell you right now, I think Indonesia is one of the best country creating space where civil society engage. Yeah, uh, to, to to the best of my knowledge, exposure uh, to the global level, it is very difficult for some friends from many countries to sit together with the government, you know, to come into decision or even to, to improve, you know, uh, something that's not right in terms of partnership, for example. But as Indonesian right now, I think I don't need to go to the street this time. I think the channel is open for dialogue mm. and we have to use the channel for dialogue and influence the policy making inside the, the government. So to to that kind of situation, of course, I need to tell to the to the world that our government are very open uh, for uh, changings. I mean, for, uh, very open to support the civil society and provide space. Therefore, several times, why we hosting in, in in Amman, we host. We hosted uh, international events in Indonesia, regional events in Indonesia, in order to also let people know that we are open, and we able to engage. You know, the government also part of the event to also make the government speak by themselves what happened actually inside bureaucracy. It is not me telling that what the government changing, but the government should also tell to the people that they are ready for partnership. I think this is the best way to do. The social media will help our work and help myself mm. actually expose with the diff different people. I think I got a lot of uh, reaction from the, the people using social media in both way, negative and positive, including some friends who, who are interested to join with our movement or they are interested to engage us into more global movement because of social media. Wow. The donors, the other. I think this is the power of social media. We need to, to use it, including to gather women leaders at the global level to yeah. share the knowledge from Indonesia exactly. that we have a pool of good resources in Indonesia that can help in doing a better interpretation that it's women-friendly in terms of if you're dealing with religious texts. I think currently I can say Indonesia is the best country to learn where in many uh, steps of development, uh, including preventing violent extremism, where the rule of religion, including women relig religious leaders, 
we call it women ulama, a women cleric. They are engaged, very active, and they have very strong knowledge on giving you justification, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 religious uh, argumentation why we need to take active role in development in responding violence against women, including uh, responding uh, violent extremism. So the best way right now to the world to learn from Indonesia, we have. In the, we have methodology of Islamic studies that actually very much include a, 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 a approach where human rights component need to be included and the voices of the survivor or the victim also need to be heard mm. before you do interpretation because you cannot do interpretation of religious texts without understanding the problem and the problem should come from the voices of the victim. So we need to really listen the voices of the victim. Therefore, when we initiated, we part of the initiation of the uh, um, the National Congress on the Women Ulama last year. It was the first Congress ever, I think, in Indonesia as well as in the world. The women cleric, women ulama, gather in 2017 uh, with the support of some organization like Rahima, Fahmina, Alimat, and Aman Indonesia to make more than 700 uh, women ulama across huh. the islands gather to stand uh, uh, with their position on against extremism is one. The other is against the practice of uh, child marriage because it is dangerous uh, for the women and that's influenced the uh, uh, number of uh, maternal mortality rate in Indonesia. So with that, actually, we want to invite the global to, mm. to learn from our women ulama how actually to deal with the difficult you know, situations or difficult issues so they can get more support from uh, surroundings. So we are very happy to share this thing and on next December some of the women ulama will be going to Patani oh. to share the best lesson from Indonesia in our facilitation is Asian Muslim Action Network in collaboration with the Walailag University and Oxfam in, in Patani are going to have dialogue between women ulama from Indonesia Patani, uh, Thailand, of course, Sonten, Thailand, and Malaysia, in 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 discussing about how actually uh, the the religious leaders can respond to the violence against women in uh, certain uh, Thailand. Of course, we are open for many collaboration, but the yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. we need to we need to be confident. I think as Indonesian, I am very confident to share this one of the best practice on. Our work so many years is about we have a good resources on you know uh, uh, interpretation of religious texts with a women friendly with a you know uh, inclusive you know uh, uh, approach uh, as well as we have a, a good uh, 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 pool of resources uh, in terms of the male male or female uh, ulama that. That supporting, you know, the work of the uh, peace building, or tolerance, uh, uh, including um, uh, to stop violence against uh, women. Wow, uh, 
we're at about an hour, so I'll, I'll, I'll close it <laughs> Sorry out with just for that. Oh my no, God, no, it's amazing. <laughs> I'll close it out with just uh, uh, like maybe two last questions. Oh, sure. um, with the spread of progressive values around the world, mm-hmm. it's interesting because as that increases, there's also this sort of resurgence of um, conservatism. In, I mean, it, it, that's quite apparent in the U.S. right now with our politics. I think the whole world can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that sort of looks like a bit in the United States and in parts of Europe is sort of like a return to, mm. to nativism. Yeah. Um, here in Indonesia and with the work that you're doing, is it dangerous at all? Um, are you ever fearful that people who maybe have a much more conservative stance are not going to be quite willing to see a shift in the in the balance of power? It is. We, you know, no matter we are growing right now in the positive direction with this government, but we are still facing of, uh, 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 the growing of intolerance in mm. Indonesia, comparing to before. I feel that right now there are some, there are more people, uh, you know, in terms of number, feeling that it is okay to correct you in public in terms of the way you're dressing, mm. which is I, I I did not find before, you know. Uh, so we are actually facing serious issue of intolerance. One is actually because of social media providing space, how actually they can spread yeah. intolerance, right? But the other, politically, it has been used by pragmatist uh, a politician that they would like to take power by using hatred, you know, against the, the, the others. Mm. So I think what you earn in the U.S., with the current president is a very obvious example to the world how, you know, the person, you know, even spreading hatred can be in power, right? That's, that's, that's uh, maybe pe- people uh, in the U.S. did not believe that Trump will be the president of the future. <laughs> You know, yeah, no, that Maybe. was that was that was that was like big that, minute because my, some that was friends, a big part of it. Yeah. There's no way he can possibly okay. win. Yeah, uh, not only Trump. I think we have a example of the Philippine, yeah, Duterte, yeah, and that caused a lot of you know um, difficulties for civil society to work right now. I can tell you that the Philippine used to be very democratic country and then have a very open-minded, you know. I still remember in the debate in the UN, for example, Philippine delegation is always have like bright and, you know, very progressive views in responding to women issues. Mm. The Indonesian delegation not always like that. Some people, we got good, yeah, we can go for it. But yes, intolerance is very dangerous. Once you have intolerance growing, if, if the country cannot tackle, this turn to radicalism, this turn to extremism and terrorism. Because the foundation of the growing of terrorism is because of intolerance, you know, thinking, right? 
because the 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 uncritical thinking that people people are having that easily actually led to uh, extremism. So to me, intolerance like fertilizer of extremism and terrorism. Mm. It is dangerous. I think, without doubting, Indonesia facing serious issue of intolerance. Do I respect to the government of Indonesia doing? A lot of good things to tackle with this, but I think other big power like the the parliament should also help the government to you know handle this. But I think there is a, there are some politician uh, um, intentionally using uh, you know uh, this, and then they uh, they are uh, to me is adding or even fueling you know the intolerant mm. situation with. Uh, fake information and 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 propaganda, you know, uh, to so make people also uh, confused and 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 even people can support, uh, you know, the violent extremism in a different way uh, because of the way they thinking is uh, intolerance and because because the media, of course, uh, are now flooding with you know a lot of. Uh, fake news and and this is difficult, you know, to make people understand which one is which one is truth with what which one is is not. Mm. Uh, I think the global also facing the same thing. Currently, we had a meeting in Bangkok uh, to meet other Aman members in Asia. Uh, some people coming from India, from um, uh, Bangladesh, uh, from Nepal, Sri Lanka. Uh, the Philippines, uh, that test in Myanmar, they're also sharing the same situation. I think if our government, you know, uh, not only Indonesian government, but other countries uh, level, if they don't tackle this thing, uh, hoax, false information, correctly, without violating freedom of expression, because it is very dangerous, you know, the line is very thin between you want to... To, to yeah, <laughs> you I want mean. to do law enforcement in terms of tackling the, you know, hatred <laughs> in the social media, or <laughs> are you actually trying to That's control a, right yeah. freedom of expression? I think the line need to be very clear in which way you're gonna actually uh, tackle hawks on in which way that you going to still protect freedom of expression. Otherwise, it's like mix. And get confusion about about that. So then, you know, the police have to be very very careful uh, in uh, uh, addressing this. So our work, engaging the young people through um, the, um, a girls' ambassador for peace, for example, uh, through peace leaders, that getting more young people to you know work on peace building and take inspiration and create more space actually to let other young people also learn about peace and tolerance that is a matter that is i think we should do more uh, mm. in the future we need to have uh, more investment for the young people to work in you know tolerance and specifically as a muslim to talk to the world that muslim uh, are m- Muslim also against terrorism, and Islam is a peaceful religion. Uh, as we also respect other religion, I believe that all religion teaching good thing, teaching something peaceful. Uh, 
only human being sometimes using or abuse religion that make religion look like very you know uh, 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 scary yeah, for all of us yeah a young generation has tendency now to I think it's better not having religion it's too complicated and those things I think because because we show up we, we we're facing you know religion everywhere religion face mm. everywhere with with some with you know with the arrogant with the intolerance you know with the terrorism whatsoever that made our young people also feel that having religion is, is complicated in their life is maybe better belief on some values uh, uh, so so like that so aman is still positive in looking at that how actually we can deal uh, with the intolerance and we believe that through the role of women, we can help the community, you know, to sit the um, uh, intolerant, planted intolerant value, intolerant values better, and against intolerant, of course, in the family as well as in the neighborhood. If we have strong family with respect of women and the right of children, and we have a strong neighborhood, you will see strong community and a strong state in Brilliant. the future. How can people get involved? How can they learn more information if they want to follow up after listening to this? I think we have a website to refer, uh, www.amanindonesia.org. So then people can uh, uh, share, can contact us, or even can engage us. Hmm. If they have an initiative, we, can, we open collaboration for everyone in the world, of course, uh, to learn each other and create as much as possible the exchange spaces among us so then we can learn better. So uh, we can, I still believe religion teaching good thing. Mm. So we should not blame religion, but we should not neglect religion. I think we should use religion in a good way as Aman's strategy we embrace religion and we use it religion in a positive way, including we put religion as source of peace, uh, of course, because we believe that Islamic teaching is actually has a lot of inspiration for, for peace. The fact that our Quran and the Holy Book mentioning about some episode of the history of Islam, you know, with the bloody you know, everywhere with the war and those things. But I think it is not correct to translate Islam in that way. If we can defend God for life, why we have to defend God for death? Mm. Why? I think one of the responsibility of Muslim is protecting the life. And this has been our inspiration. And we believe through the women, women can help and inspire how to protect the life better, both human life or natural life. I think this has been uh, an education for, for a lot of people. Uh, I will also link to the website and the social media accounts so yes. listeners who are listening, just go to the show notes and you can find those links. Uh, Ruby, thank you so much. Thank you so much for um, having me as well. Uh, uh, really appreciate the time Nadira here who is uh, off mic uh, set everything up so uh, thank you too for doing that thank you
That is a wrap on episode number 83 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you to Ruby for participating in this conversation. Thank you for Nadira from Amman for setting this conversation up and for handling all of the logistics and for traveling down to Kamang to meet with us today too. Thank you to all of you. Again, I said this last episode, but this has been the most downloaded month in the history of the TV TV podcast. We are now in a week. We are at two years of recording the podcast. So that's really cool and exciting. And thank you to everybody for, for tuning in and for uh, allowing me to live this life and share these stories with you. Got some other cool news coming up, but I'm going to save it for when it actually happens. So for now, I will just say, as always, Voyagers, please take care of each other. Bye-bye.